High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. Now, you're very welcome to the Hook Health Check with Kira Kelly, although I'm not quite sure how I would be expected to interview myself because I'm in the hot seat today for George. So instead of me and instead of uh, taking your personal health queries today, I am joined by Dr. Michael Newell from the School of Medicine in the Clinical Science Institute in NUI Galway. We really are heavy on NUI Galway today. Uh, Galway is coming up trumps with lots of experts for the, the programme today. But as Ireland forges its supersized way into becoming Europe's fattest nation by 2030, the need for at least 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week is being justifiably flagged by healthcare professionals far and wide. But what about the danger of over-exercise? Michael Newell is going to talk to me a little bit about whether or not all this fitness is actually good for us or in fact is too much fitness going to kill us in the end. Dr Newell, you're very welcome to the Hook Health Check. Good afternoon, Dr. Kira. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm usually in your seat at I this know. point, being grilled by George, and I'm going to give you a much easier time now than he would give me. Um, talk to me a little bit about this overtraining and overfitness, and how that actually is worse than no fitness at all. Yeah, listen, thanks for the opportunity. Um, it's probably driven from an article that Jimmy Ball wrote in the Irish Times. And again, the consensus was, yes, running is good, but you know, too, too much, too long may not be good for you. But when we actually look at it, it's possibly when you take an exercise like any therapy, really, whether it's pharmacological or otherwise, there's a dose-response relationship. So, I mean, you know, the benefits will be good, but the benefits will diminish at a high doses. And sometimes people might get, you know, initially when they're starting off, might get, you know, well into it, getting too much carried away. And as a result, they could be an adverse response to their exercise. So uh, so is this just common sense, really, that... that some of the endurance sports, and they have become hugely fashionable or what have you. I mean, and what we're talking about for people who are, who are tuning in, we're talking about lifestyle medicine and how maybe too much running or, you know, you know these endurance things like like, like Ironmen, like ultramarathons, those types of things. And they are very popular, particularly for men over 30, that they actually aren't good for you at all. And in fact, maybe worse for you than somebody who does very little. Um, there is, that is one, you know, one theory. But again, you must look at sometimes that people while they're, they're, they're exercising, and again, at the age group that you mentioned, that they may not take into account their full lifestyle. So yes, while they're exercising, but, you know, they may, not, they may have a previous um, history of smoking, you know, the nutrition may not be great, and also they could have undiagnosed heart conditions. But sometimes the difficulty is that, you know, like anything else, if there's a binge, you get in, you know, too much too soon without giving enough time for recovery. And that's possibly one of the major we tend to see that, um, you know, the body needs to challenge, yes, but it needs adequate time for recovery and repair. And I'm sure, you know, from your own practice, when you, when you meet people coming in and complaining post when they're, when they're doing events and marathons or other things, that they, there, there is complaints afterwards, you know, of particular injuries. And sometimes that can be due with their technique, it could be to do with the equipment, or it could be the fact that they may have, you know, underestimated the actual event and the training required for it. I have to say, I do see people who I suspect have exercise addiction and um, how I view it is, I I view it like any other addiction, although in my opinion, if you're going to be addicted to something, it's far better to be addicted to exercise than to drink or drugs or gambling or whatever. So so I kind of see it as, as, as less harmful in many ways. But of course, there are some significant medical side effects from, from maybe endurance training, isn't there? There, there? there are certain things that can happen. 
Oh, absolutely. Of course. I mean, there is, no more than any exercise, this, this compromise can be to your immune system, right? Um, you could be more prone to illness infection, but then there's also an increased risk in AFib. Now, granted, the evidence is relatively new and there'll be a demand for more epidemiological studies in that area. But the overall consensus is, yes, if you do run, you know, run, but try and, you know, take it at between 5 to 20 miles a week, you know, roughly in and around it. And, and just for people who, who might be listening, AFib is atrial fibrillation, which is a cardiac yeah. r- rhythm problem where the heart doesn't beat regularly and rhythmically the way we should have it beating. Yes, and often the case is that there could be, as I said, an, an undiagnosed condition there that through exercise and through stress in the heart, that suddenly this has put them into a risk of this consideration or a condition that would have not have occurred if they probably hadn't gone to the levels that they are in terms of extreme exercise. Yeah, but there, there are other lesser things than, than cardiac problems, things like arthritis, for example. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you, you'll talk to a lot of the physiotherapists and they'll tell you that it's, again, you know, a lot of repetitive stress on the joints. It could be to do with running gait. It could be to do with the, the technique. Um, and also, a lot of the time, it might just be due to the actual load of exercise that they're putting on the body. As I said, initially, they're not giving adequate time for recovery. So, you know, yes, we have an innate responsibility in terms of what we're actually doing, but also to make sure that we're aware of the demands of the particular sport. Okay. And, and, so, and so obviously it's excess wear and tear and stuff, but also for women, I mean, women, I mean, I mentioned men over 30, they're, they're the mammals, that, that kind of cliche of men in, in Lycra running around. And you see them, you do see them out a lot. But women, of course, are taking up these things too. And this can have an effect on their fertility and their menstrual cycle and all that kind of stuff too. There is, yes, there is some talk within the research about that. Um, and again, I'm sure from your perspective, you would probably see this more frequently, you know. Um, and I think it, it comes back to the fact that, you know, yes, there's a pharmacological response to our exercise. And yes, you know, we, we should be doing it. But at the same time, where's the trade-off? You know, we are we being compromised by, by overdoing it? And again, as I keep harping back to the fact that, you know, it's adequate time for repair, recovery. You know, we need to be... Sometimes when you have an addiction, you kind of find it maybe hard to sense, why should I be resting, you know, when in fact, by actually resting, you will be doing yourself more benefit. Yeah, I, I suppose one of the reasons I see it as an addiction is, is because when you do see people and they come in and their knees are banjaxed or whatever, and you start to say, look, you maybe want to look at something different, maybe cycling, not running or, or cutting back on the amount of distance or time you're spending doing it. And they're very resistant to changing it, even though it's doing them harm. And I suppose that's part of that whole sort of uh, pattern, I suppose, of addictive behaviour. But let's talk a little bit. We're kind, of, we're kind of knocking exercise and probably slightly unfairly because most people are not in the space of ultramarathons and Ironmen and gale forces and all that kind of stuff. Most people aren't taking adequate exercise. So you're obviously a, a medic who specialises, uh, Mike, in, in, in lifestyle medicine. If you could give a bit of advice to people now, they've all probably overindulged a little bit yesterday on the Easter eggs and they're all feeling like their waistbands are a little bit tighter today and maybe they're planning to get stuck in and, and turn into kind of a more healthy regime tomorrow. What kind of advice would you give people about what they should be doing? All right. Like anything, there's no one wants to be told what they should be doing if they could try and see it for themselves and, and buy into it. But I would, the, the message that we would always try and find is just you've got to try and find ways of moving more. So if you're on a phone, taking regular phone calls on your mobile, just stand up. Okay? There's no reason why you have to sit down. Stand while you're standing, and then while you're standing, stand on one leg. So it's so small ways that you can incorporate more movement into your into your daily lifestyle. Now, again, for most of us, it's probably work related, and that's the best opportunity. So you know you have to find ways. You see a stairs, 
you know, is there any reason why you can't, you know, go briskly upstairs rather than walking upstairs? Things like that. It's about uh, in- including more movement. And if the fact that we were in a society where we've got excess energy supplies, but we've got very limited physical activity. So it's a balance between those two. Um, and again, it's, it's like a Goldilocks principle. You've got to find out what works for you. Um, and the great trade-off is that someone who's not done anything for a while and suddenly starts, they'll see a fantastic return. And it's those small little bits, incremental increases. And they keep harping back. You mentioned the very start, the moderate, moderate. Be able to do it. One of the things that I find very frustrating is that, you know, we don't include the vital signs. You know, what is your physical activity score? You know, could you ask them? They could probably tell you what your blood pressure is and your resting heart rate. But, so that from a, would be one perspective. But going back to your question, I said, yeah, try and move more. Try and somehow incorporate additional movement into your day. Do you think that the guideline of 150 minutes of, of activity per week, is, is that what people should be aiming for? Is that adequate? Is, is that the kind of ballpark we should be in? No. I think that's, that's an ideal target. But you must look, for some people, that's, you know, if they'll suddenly focus on 150, I can't do that. What about five? What about 10? And build it up. And one, you know, each, it doesn't have to be in a 20-minute spell. It could be five minutes here, two minutes. It's just a cumulative effect over the week. I mean, the two things you, you should ask yourself really is, how much am I doing on a daily basis in terms of, you know, moderate activity? So something that involves like a brisk walk where you could talk, but you couldn't really sing. And then the next thing is, and how many minutes each day? And that should give an indication of where you are currently. And from that, you know, we love to be challenged. We love targets. Set us a target. The same way we hear about the 10,000 step challenge, we've all got pedometers on our phone, the apps are there. We have never had an opportunity to have so much more information presented to us. But that's fine, but you must try. As I said, 150, that, make that a target if you want, but I would go at an individual level find your Goldilocks principle, what suits you. So, so start smaller is okay and work oh, yeah. your way up. So, so don't be too hard on yourself either. No. You, well, if you think back to the cardiovascular system, it loves, you know, um, less exhaustive types of workouts. It likes small incremental increases gradually over time. Going back to when you talked about earlier about the, the, the studies they're saying about with marathon runners, they'll all come back to, you know, small amounts, you know, 15, 20 minutes, do little bits at a time. It's the gradual. If we could, everybody could gradually do this little bit, you know, the trade-off will be there. Now, like everything else, I said, the start is the dose response. If we're starting to get more active, then we increase it a little, we increase it a little each time. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that is good advice, although I am very disappointed to hear that you, uh, you shouldn't be able to sing because I do actually like to have my, my music blaring in my ears when I go out for a walk. No, and, and I have been known to be uh, uh, singing out loud as, as, I, as I trot around the place. Well, do you know what you should do next time, out of interest, is um, get the, the beats per minute of the songs you like to listen to, okay? And you'll see there's various websites. And then what you do then is you can then set your heart rate to match the beats of the tune, so he said, right, I'm going to work nice and easy, so, you know, something in around 60, 70 beats, and then you're going to put on something with a much higher beat, so that moves into the high-intensity training, so you're getting a quick fix of that, and then back again to the lower beat, so yeah, all good. Okay, that's very interesting. So you're saying, I mean, obviously, like the fast tunes that are like 100 beats per minute or whatever, that they would be, you can actually go on websites and choose songs according oh, to the uh, beats yeah. and that will mirror your own heart rate. Absolutely. If you look at a lot of what they're doing with training and they're saying they're looking at the different interval zones based on your heart rate. So if you're looking at, you know, Governor, say, 
208 minus 0.7 times your age is a rough maximum heart rate. And then look at your, your resting heart rate. And then in from that, then you can work what we call the uh, heart rate intervals and then face, face different zones. So when they talk about high intensity exercise and interval training, it's exactly that. So you're bringing the heart beats up and then dropping it down and beating them up. So match that to music. Yep. You don't even need a heart rate monitor. You can just go go to the tune. Just go with your tunes. I like where you're coming from. I also like the fact that you're, you're, it's very realistic in terms of people's real lives because people do use their smartphones for everything nowadays and including playlists and all that kind of stuff. That's very interesting. Listen, thanks. We will have to have you on because you're much better at the health check, to be honest, than me. So I, I think, uh, although I'm much better at the health check than George, so I suppose it's it swings and roundabouts. But thank you very much. That is Dr. Mike Newell from the School of Medicine uh, in Goy.